Hello and welcome to episode number two of the Teaching ELA podcast. This is Trent Lorcher from ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com and I am excited to talk to you today about uh, something very near to my eyes and nose and ears and tongue and skin. It's called imagery or sensory details. So we're going to talk today about short stories for teaching imagery. I love short stories. I love imagery. Let's get started. I have uh, written about this on my website, elacommoncorelessonplans.com, and I'll put a link in the show notes. That's right, I said show notes. That must mean I'm a professional podcaster. Just like the show notes. You're probably new to my podcast since this is episode two. And thus, of course, you're listening to me in the future. That means I'm talking right now in the future, blowing my mind right now. Maybe you're on like podcast episode number 723 and you're like, man, this guy knows his stuff. Let's go back to podcast number two. Here you are, podcast number two. So if you're not new to the podcast, I'm glad you came back to listen to these. If you are new, I'm even gladder because that means... I'll get to know you sooner. When I talk about teaching any literary element, and I consider imagery in the in the for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to consider imagery a literary element and figurative language, even. And when I talk about teaching literary elements, I talk about the four levels of teaching and learning. And level one, I kind of call this the monkey level. That is, if you give a test to a monkey, eventually he's going to come up with the right answer. The monkey level would be define imagery. So we all know how to define imagery. We are ELA teachers after all. We teach to our students. So imagery is using sensory, detailed sensory images to, to bring, to make writing vivid. Now kids always say, imagery is when writing use words to put pictures in the reader's mind. I do not allow that definition, especially in that voice, because students always say, imagery is when you create pictures in your reader's mind. And that's not really what imagery is, because imagery is more than just sight. It's hearing, it's touch, taste, smell, and something else I'm forgetting. Oh, sight. So uh, it is using sensory details to make the writing vivid. So that's level one. You can tell me a definition. Congratulations. This will give you absolutely no advantage in life. And students are somewhat surprised that I admit that, but admit it when you were in school and your teacher busted out with the definition of imagery. You're like, how is that ever going to make a doggone bit of difference? And the answer is it's not. So level two is the old, all right, class, identify imagery in this passage. Now, this is definitely a step up from level one. It does involve a little bit of application because they actually have to find the image. But really, let's be honest, this doesn't do you a whole lot of good in life either. Just because you can say, hey, you know, you're at your, at your job interview and that's you're going to become an ELA teacher, which I highly recommend. Hello. Unless you're going to become an ELA teacher, this is another skill which really does nothing. Because you can imagine I'm going in for a... I'm going to start my business, and uh, my customers are going to ask me, hey, can you identify imagery in this passage? It's never going to happen. 
So being able to identify imagery isn't really going to serve you anything in real life. Now you might be thinking, hold on a second, Trent, or colleagues, you can call me by my first name. You might be thinking, well, why are we even teaching this then? That's a good question. And I hope, and I hope that's a question your students are asking. I hope it's a question that we're all asking ourselves is why, or as I like to say, why bother even teaching this? Because really being able to define imagery, being able to identify imagery isn't going to really do any good for anyone if that's all, if that's as far as we go. So these two things set the foundation and I don't have uh, time on this podcast to share you my analogy of the mechanic who doesn't know what a wrench is called, but we'll save that for another podcast. Perhaps you've already listened to it if you're in the future. So we teach this to serve as a foundation because a student needs a working vocabulary of what we're studying and a student needs to be able to identify what these things are in order to take it to level three. And level three is being able to take the definition, then to identify and then to explain what purpose the imagery serves in the overall work. So now we've taken memorization, which is a definition, taken a little bit of application, which is identifying, and now we're taking it to the next level. We're extending this application and we're asking students to apply this knowledge, how it affects the overall theme of the story, what purpose the imagery serves. Now we're talking higher level thinking, we're getting students to think for themselves. And this is really what, this is what we're trying to get them to do. This is what employers want, students who can, you know, individuals who can think for themselves. Business owners need to be able to think for themselves. They need to be able to ask themselves, what's the purpose of this? Why? As opposed to what? So that's level three. We start with the basic, I can cite textual evidence to support analysis. And in the case of imagery, the citing the textual evidence would include an actual image. And then the explanation would be explaining what is the author's purpose in using this image? How does this contribute to the overall meaning of the passage, overall meaning of the story? Because we're talking about short stories today. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, these are amazing. Three levels. What's the fourth level? Well, the fourth level, not many students get to the fourth level. And it's certainly difficult to get here with every topic. Level four is being able to then take their knowledge of imagery and use it in their own writing or in their own speaking to make their writing or speaking more effective. That's level four. Now, depending on your class, depending on the grade you're teaching, level four might be, a, might be past what we're trying to do. It's the ultimate goal, though. When I'm grading these assignments, I look at level one. All right, if you can, if you can tell me the definition, all right, you pass. Maybe you got something there. You're not meeting the standard, though. If you get to level two, actually, probably you can do is level one. You're probably not going to pass, but I'm not going to get into the details of grading right now because it depends on the assignment, the grade, the class, the student, blah, blah, blah. You need level one to get to level two. Once the students get to level two, I think they're approaching, at least they're approaching the standard. They can get to level two, identify the image, and then make an attempt. And I'm like, okay, you're approaching it. But I don't consider them to have achieved the standard of I can cite textual evidence to support analysis unless they're actually citing the image, identifying the image, and then explaining how that image supports their uh, understanding of the story. That to me is meeting the standard. Uh, even mastery in some cases, 
but I would say that meets the standard and level four, I think, would be mastery. I mean, you can use imagery to enhance your writing, to enhance your speaking, to enhance the overall quality of your communication. So when I, when I teach juniors and seniors, which I do, that's what I want them to be able to do, is it, it, regardless of the literary element. So uh, I promise you some short stories I use to teach imagery, and I'm going to give that to you now that we have an understanding of, of what I'm doing, what my purpose is. And by the way, if, if you go to elacommoncorelessonplans.com, I, again, I put a link in my show notes. <laughs> I've got handouts. If you're on my email list, you probably received some of these handouts. Podcaster, professional. <laughs> not really, because I'm not getting paid. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting off topic. I might have to edit some of this out. That's okay. Go to elacommoncorelessonplans.com. You'll see my handouts. A lot of them are, you know, just free. Your PDF. Just click on it, download. We'll set you up. Set your class up. You don't even need my handout. You can make your own handout. But in the left column, it'll say specific image that requires students to cite the textual evidence to put the exact image, and then in the right column. It'll say, what is the purpose of this image? What does it do? Explain it. Those sorts of things. That's what I use to prepare students as a formative assignment. And then, you know, then you throw in a few quiz questions on the quiz. By the way, my uh, units at ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com do have the quizzes in the web. But I'm tired of talking about my website. Actually, I'm not tired of talking about it because you know, I, my website, ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, is, you know, so I put my life's work into that. Things I've picked up over the last two decades plus of teaching. All my knowledge of literature and teaching and getting students to think critically, which has been the focal point of my entire career, has I poured into this website. So if I talk about it a lot, I apologize. I'm not just trying to to, you know, harp on it, but that's where this comes from. It comes from my love of literature, my my uh, desire to to share these things with you. It's on the website. So that's why I'm doing a podcast too. Let's talk about some of these stories. We have the Scarlet Ibis is one. I, I used to teach this to ninth grade. I haven't taught ninth grade in a few years, but I taught this to ninth grade. Uh, if I'm looking for a, a, you know, if I have a week between units or a week at the end of the school year, and I'm looking for a short story to teach that'll completely depress everyone, I turn to this. We have, uh, even from the opening, we get a pretty stark image. Uh, the story opens with, it was in the Clovis Seasons. Summer was dead, but autumn had not yet been born, that the ibis lit in the bleeding tree. So we have here in the, in the first, in the opening of the story, we have some personification. Summer was dead. That's an ominous beginning, isn't it? We have an image of a bleeding tree. Now, it's not literally bleeding. We have the clove, by the way, uh, your students may not know because I didn't know this. I even wrote this and I forgot that a clove is a red flower. And the ibis... Of course, we know what color the ibis is because that's the title of the story, the Scarlet Ibis. Uh, blood, death. All right. So uh, other, other images in this opening paragraph, rotting brown magnolia petals, rank iron weeds, empty cradle. Well, that's a powerful image. I'm getting chills just reading it now. Graveyard flowers whose smell drifted through every room of the house. Uh, it doesn't take Shakespeare to figure out that this story will be about Death. Most students that have a general working definition of imagery will be able to identify this particular example. Now the question is, can they tell us the purpose? And we know the purpose, of course, is this, this sets the entire mood of the story. There is a Mr. 
Mr. Hurst, James Hurst, who wrote The Scarlet Ibis, he's not trying to fool us. He's letting us know right from the start that this is going to be very sad. So it sets the mood of the story, that his tone as well. So it establishes tone and mood, and it helps, it, set, it prepares the reader for what's to come. Now it's important to note that the narrator is reciting this in the future. He's, he's using a flashback to do this. So this is his memory of it. Another story, short story for teaching imagery, A Sound of Thunder by Ray Bradbury. Now, most people know this story from the butterfly effect. Dude steps on a butterfly and suddenly the language is spelling words have changed, colors have changed, and there's a new president. But what people forget is his description of the dinosaur. Not to mention his Bradbury's description of time travel. So there's some great passages. There. One assignment I do with this one is he gives such an amazing description of the dinosaur, of the Tyrannosaurus rex that's being hunted. And it's phenomenal. And I have a, either, if you have an artistic class, you know, you have those classes that, uh, for whatever reason, they, they, they gravitate towards the artistic stuff. I just have them read that passage and then draw... Uh, the T-Rex, and it really uh, shows them the power of imagery. And it has them look into detail. It makes study, and then, and then you know, to make it all literary up in this mode, you know, I have them, uh, you know, they can write down the specific textual evidence with little arrows pointed to the T-Rex. It's a simple assignment that works wonders. So Sound of Thunder is a good one. A white heron. We already talked about one bird, the scarlet ibis. Now we have a white heron. This is a uh, favorite of the um, any tree huggers out there. You'll love this story. I'm not a tree hugger, but I love this story too. I do have my environmental side. I do love the outdoors. If you've never read A White Heron by Sarah Orange Jewett, we got a hunter offers the, the girl Sylvia $10 if she can help him find a white heron. Imagery in this one, basically the same assignment as, as the uh, Scarlet Ibis, where identify the image, uh, write down, blah, blah, blah. All right, and my personal, my personal favorite use of imagery is by maybe not someone you would consider a master of imagery, but his name is Edgar Allan Poe. I'm sure you, I know you've all heard of him. And I'm going to go into a little more details on this story in an upcoming podcast, but I just want to, I just want to read passage. All right, I want to share this passage with you from, you've read this before. This isn't even one of my favorite stories, but this passage is amazing. really shows off Poe's ability to, well, creep me the heck out. So if you recall in the story, Mr. Poe is tied with a uh, something that kind of resembles a straitjacket, but he's tied to the ground, and there's this pendulum swinging over him, which is coming down second by second, and it's about to slice him in half. So his plan, he knows he has to get the cords untied, there happens to be some rats in the cell, and his plan is to smear the bands with food to get the rats to eat it away. So here is, uh, here is his description. They, the rats, clung to the wood. They overran it and leapt in hundreds upon my person. The measured movement of the pendulum disturbed them not at all. Avoiding its strokes, they busied themselves with the anointed bandage. They pressed. They swarmed upon me in ever-accumulating heaps. They writhed upon my throat. Their cold lips sought my own. 
I was half stifled by their thronging pressure. A disgust for which the world has no name swelled my bosom and chilled with a deadly clamminess my heart. Yet one minute and I felt that the struggle would be over. Plainly I perceived the loosening of the bandage. I knew that in more than one place it must be already severed. With a more than human resolution, I lay still. When I read, they writhe. I don't like rats. I can't stand it. They, they, they freak me out. We have these things where I live called banana rats. They're actually called hutias. But because they're called banana rats, I can't stand them. And my wife makes fun of me because I, every time they, they're around, I freak out. And I'm like, if they weren't called banana rats, they'd probably be okay. They kind of look like uh, badgers or something like that. Anything to do with rats freaks me out. So when I read this, these rats just <laughs> swarming upon me and ever accumulated. They writhed upon my throat. Their cold lips sought my own. Oh, my gosh. Love it. Love it. So when students say, an imagery helps me create a picture in my mind. No, 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 no. Sight imagery, Mike. This is not sight imagery. They writhed upon my throat, their cold lips sought my own. Uh, I can't even read that without getting kind of sick to my stomach, to be honest with you. I forced students to cite this passage of imagery. I think, what does this add? What is the purpose of this passage? The purpose of this passage, I think, is Poe just wants to freak us all out. And it worked. He is the master of suspense. Uh, his uh, prisoner uh, is in a pretty tough situation. I don't even really like the story of the pit and the pendulum. But this passage alone makes it worth the reading and have a cool picture analysis. But I'm going to talk about that in another podcast. So let's do a Rick, a Rick recap or a quick recap, as they say in some places. Imagery. Again, you have the four levels. Define, identify, explain or analyze, and uh, use it in your own writing. Those are the four levels. As far as in my classes, if students can, can get to level three, on a consistent basis to be able to identify a passage and then explain what the purpose of that passage is. I consider that meeting or exceeding the standard. And level four, and maybe in the upper grades, maybe in an honors class, I expect him to get to level four for that same. Some students will get there in a non-honors setting or a non-AP setting, and sometimes in the younger grades. But as far as grading goes, because, I mean, this face, that's a hard part about this is we can't just read books all day. We have to actually assign grades and grade papers. So for grading, uh, if they can get level three, I'm like, okay, you've met and exceeded the standard. If it's a higher grade or, a, or an AP class, and I expect them to take that to level four uh, as part of mastery or, or meeting the standard. We shared uh, five stories. There's, there's, a, there's a ton more, obviously. We shared the Scarlet Ibis, a white heron, uh, the pit and the pendulum, uh, Sound of Thunder, and another story that I forgot, which is called... Oh, I only shared four stories. No wonder I forgot it. <laughs> I'm sure you can find other stories. There's a ton out there. Again, if you want some imagery lesson plans, uh, we got them at elacommoncorelessonplans.com. If you're looking for some uh, Scarlet Ibis or some Sound of Thunder or any of the any lesson plans for the short stories we talked about, ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. Come on over. If you want these emailed to you for free, you can sign up for my uh, free lesson plan email list, which is also in the show notes. All right, I'm getting tired. This is like the longest podcast I've ever done. Right, it's only the second one I've ever done, but still, pretty long. So, 
thank you for listening. Spread the word.